And Dr. Shivali Tasabari, the author of Conscious Parenting, she stated to connect with your children, we must first connect with ourselves. And that is so true. And that's in all areas of parenting, which also includes how we discipline, whether it's physical or verbal discipline, because either way, whether it's physical or it's verbal, we're leaving a scar. So being aware of how we discipline and whether or not that breaks the connection that we have with our children, it's vital. It's very important. But one of the things that I like that Dr. Shivali stated is she said, once the connection is made, the rest just falls into place. I am just a girl, passionate about breaking old generational cycles so that I can create a better legacy for my children. Welcome to Butterfly Effect, Breaking Old Generational Cycles. Here we are again with another episode of Conscious Parenting with Leah Abraham. We are going to talk about discipline. As a parent, how do we discipline? Why do we discipline? And what effects does that discipline have on our children? So Leah... Welcome again today. I'm excited to dive into this conversation. Let's start off by talking about why is it that you think that parents discipline their child? Yes, Stacey. Um, thank you for having me back. I'm excited about this conversation. And last week we talked about outside influence and what that does to us. And I think discipline ties into that because when we have expectations from the outside on how we should raise our children, how we should discipline our children, it influences the discipline that takes place in the home. I think also how we were disciplined as a child, even if we didn't like it, We bring that into our parenting because we don't know any better. I think we discipline because we think we have to and because we think there's no other way and because we think, well, how am I supposed to maintain the authority over my child if I don't discipline and if I don't discipline in the way that I was disciplined or that I'm expected to from those outside expectations? So I think that plays a lot into it. Yes. You know, um, you said something that automatically had me think subconscious recorder when you said, you know, many of us discipline the way we were disciplined. We discipline because we feel like we have to. At the end of the day, for me, it's like it's a forced behavior. It's like we're forcing our children to behave in a manner. And so we're using discipline. So I'm going to tell a, I'm going to tell a story. There's so many different types of disciplines, right? So first, let me just say, so this is not just about us 
hitting on our children. This is also about punishments we may have them do, like go to their rooms, which, you know, for many, it's isolating, or things like taking away what they love, taking away their devices. So there are many different ways that parents discipline. Just to be clear, this is not about what's right or wrong. This is just a conversation that Lee and I are having to express from our opinion what we've been through as parents, how we saw the discipline that we used with our children affect our children, but most importantly, looking back on how the discipline that we received as children, how that affected us and still is affecting us today. And then for me, from the standpoint of the work that I do, and I speak this a lot because I do regression therapy with um, my clients when we're in hypnosis. And regression therapy takes the clients back to childhood. And when they go back to childhood to find the root of an issue, many times it has to do with the way the environment or the people treated them, which included discipline. Um, the way they were disciplined, the way they were, sometimes it went from just a spanking to an all out abusive situation. So this is just for us to be curious and for us to be aware and so that we can look at ourselves and what is it that we're doing within our parenting as it pertains to how we discipline our child. So I'm going to tell a story because I love story. I'm a storyteller. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, a friend of mine on Facebook posed a question. This was about, um, I would say about 2016, 2017. It's been a while now. But he posed a question. I think he works in the school system. And the question he wanted to pose out there to his Facebook people he wanted to find out whether or not we spanked. So as parents, do we hit our children? And my answer was no, but I also expressed what I thought hitting a child was because I'm completely against it. And then I'll tell you why in a moment. <laughs> I took the step and I went as far as to say, that I believe that when you hit a child, it is lazy parenting. And OMG, somebody took that personal and they went in. It was like an attack. I felt like I had just, I don't know what I did just by saying that. But I really stood by it. I stood by it. I, I wasn't saying it to be um, judgmental. I wasn't saying it to hurt anybody's feelings. I wasn't saying it at all to cause the stir that I received. And the way this woman responded to me, it's as if I was speaking to her directly. I didn't change my stance at all. I just said, but it is because it's like you're just let me just hit the child and chase them the hell away, send them into a dark room to go lock themselves, tell them to stop crying, and nothing was resolved. 
nothing was processed, no conversation was had. And I still said it, it was lazy parenting. And then I had to say, but I'm not specifically speaking to you, you know, because now I'm realizing that this person took it personally for whatever reason. I'll never forget that incident. It was one of kind of like my first run in that when we're posting on social media, people take things personally. But at the other end of the spectrum, I still stand by that today, Leah. I still see it as a lazy way to parent because it's hard to have conversations to sit down with the child and reason it out, to show them your side, understand their side. In today's society, we're moving and shaking and running and and getting, trying to get things done. And a lot of times we do drive-by parenting and drive-by parenting or kind of like a McDonald's and, you know, it's quick. You don't sit down and have that conversation, that meaningful connection. And so when the child does something that you think they're not supposed to do or it's something that goes against, you know, what you think is right or wrong, we discipline them in a way, we take away their things, we go lock yourself in a room, so we isolate them, we hit them, and we don't invest the time in really getting to understand why did the child come from that perspective in the first place? What is going on with them? What signals are they giving us that we're missing? What are they trying to say? So I'm not trying to judge anyone when I say that. It's I consider it lazy parenting, but I do because I grew up in lazy parenting, you know? So I'm going to pause there and get your take, Leah, and then I'm going to talk also about what kind of discipline I grew up with. Yes, you know, Stacy, when you said it's uh, drive-by parenting, it's quick and it's unhealthy. <laughs> often. And I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. And here's the thing. If you're hearing these words that we're speaking, the way that this conversation has started off and you're being triggered, you're being activated. It's an opportunity to get curious and ask yourself why. And you know, that story that you told about that woman who was activated by the words that you said, I mean, that is because that's most likely how she parents. And yes, it's, it is hard. It is hard to look at ourselves clearly in the way we're parenting and to be a conscious parent. We're, we're going to say that every episode. It's hard to be a conscious parent because it means we see clearly. And when we see clearly that, you know, if you use the word lazy parenting, I use the word selfish parenting because Stacey, when, when we hit a child physically, it is because we have anger within us, which is a normal human emotion. And every emotion in the body just wants to be processed and released in some way. And so when we have anger, the easiest way for a parent to release that is to take a physical action. And if we're taking that physical action out on our child, it's a selfish way to process that normal human emotion of anger, because we could do that same thing and punch a pillow or, you know, break a plate. And that is still allowing that energy to be released, but it is um, sparing the child. So here's the parent who has this emotion that needs to be processed, that needs to be moved through the body, and they take it out on the child. What does that do to the child? That gives the child something that they now need to process. 
But do we hold space for the child to process what happened to them? No. So that's why I say it's selfish on our part because we get to process the emotion that we're having, but the child doesn't get to process what they've just gone through. And this is coming from someone that with my first child, I did spank him. I did hit my child and, and I did that because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. That's what was done to me. That's what I had always seen. That's what, you know, everybody from the outside told me that I should do. So I thought that I had to do that. And I hit him up until, you know, like up until my husband one day told me like, this doesn't do anything. It just makes me feel weird, you know? And then at that point, we got to be like, is this really what we want to do? Or is it what we were taught to do what we thought we had to do. So I like that you say it gives us the opportunity to get curious and to ask these questions. Is this really what how I want to parent and discipline? Or is this coming from somewhere else those outside expectations that we spoke of last week? So when we use these words lazy, selfish, like those have like a a, a denser energy to them. And anybody if you told me those words, I'd be like, what you know and it would kind of put me in that defensive stance but that's not what we're trying to do at all with with this podcast series we are trying to help create healthy relationships instead of drive-by parenting we're trying to create sit-down parenting yes (laughs) where we're eating a hot meal together and we're we're learning to communicate and see the other person so that there can be mutual respect between a parent and child yeah, absolutely. I, I remember um, going back to that incident when the woman started saying, it's people like you whose children are going to, they're going to end up this way and that way and that way. And it was really interesting because it's about belief systems, right? I was spanked and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm fine. And then my thought was, are you really? Are you really, though? (laughs) (laughs) Are you really, though? But it's not because of judgment. And why would I have called that lazy parenting? In my mind, it's because it takes effort to not hit a child. It takes a lot of effort. It takes pause. You know, last episode, we focused on pause pausing, pausing before you say, pausing before you do. And so it means that you can't rush your parenting. And I know it's difficult because in the society we live in, everything is a rush. Everything is a move, you know, moving in the shake in. But let me talk about how I was raised and why I chose not to hit my children. I was raised in an environment where they sent you to get the belt or they sent you to pick a switch off of a freaking tree um, where a shoe would go flying at your head, where the broomstick or the mop stick will come after you, where you'd wake up with a piece of clothing being slashed across your back. Just even me saying it, that sounds like abuse. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Saying it out loud now. And then you'll have people will say, well, that's just discipline. That's that's the way to get a child to, you know, to be a, a, a good person and a good citizen. But I don't necessarily agree with that. And it's OK if that's what you believe. But the reason why I decide not to hit my children 
it's because I am about non-violence, non-violence. I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of violence in the community. There was a lot of arguing and there were even uh, occasionally you would hear the the gunshots in the background there was it was a very aggressive environment my household wasn't aggressive but it had you know it was a christian household very religious but it had spanking hitting beatings um all of those that stuff that i did not agree with I didn't like the way it made me feel. I didn't like any of it. And so as I became a parent, first to my son and then to my daughter who I gave birth to, but first to my son at five and a half years old, I remember sitting him down and telling him things like, you don't ever have to lie. You just tell me the truth. If something happens, let's talk about it. And really trying to set that stage with him. Never once in my life have I hit my son. My son is now 21 years old. When my daughter was younger and I used to threaten her and I used to say things like, I will knock you out. And he would just look at me like, really, mommy? And then he would look at her and say, no, Chloe, she's not going to do that. Mommy will never hate you. And I used to give him the look like, don't tell her that, you know, because I want her to straighten up. But not even that was necessary, right? He knew that I was never going to hit her because I'd never once in my life hit him. And he turned out to be a pretty good kid, if you ask me. We have open conversations and open communications. And why did I not hit? I didn't hit because I didn't like when I was hit. I didn't like the way it felt. And I thought, if I'm trying to get a child to be non-violent, if I hit them, then in fact, that's violence. So it's the contradiction we talked about last time. You can't say one thing and then do another, um, because in fact, you're creating that action in their mind and that you know is something that is okay for them to do and then what I used to do for discipline with my son I used to take away his devices oh my gosh that was like the worst for him and he would find ways around it so if I took his cell phone he would go through the house and find all of the old iPads tablets and he would Wi-Fi it up and still do what he need, needed to do. So in fact, I was just teaching him how to be crafty and, and figure out backhanded ways on how to do things. And so I was like, well, that didn't work for him. So I am not going to do it for my daughter. So we learn as we go. So one of the things that, that we talked about last time, and we're going to say it again this time, we learn as we go. If this didn't work for this child, and you can see the how things are shaping with this child. Don't do it for the other if, if, if it's not good for them. And there's another thing I want to say before I pass this over to Leah. It's okay to apologize to your to your child. If I did something and I realized, you know, maybe that wasn't the best way to sit down and have a conversation and apologize for it. And I have apologized for things like many years later when the aha moment and the light bulb clicked. 
and I'll just go, oh, I got to say, I'm so sorry for this, 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 and this. So this topic of discipline, is it's a tough one, and it, it it's controversial in, in many ways. Why don't I hit? I don't hit because I didn't like when I was hit. And I developed an, an understanding that it was aggression. It almost felt like the parent was taking out their frustration and their aggression on me. And therefore, I decided from a very long time ago that I would not do that to my children. Yeah, Stacey, it, it is. You know, you said before, when, even as I'm saying this, it sounds like trauma. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely. Definitely. It is trauma because, okay, so first of all, you have on the emotional level, you know, this child that's just trying to express themselves. You know, often we punish our child, we discipline our child because they've acted out in some way. But what do we know that an acting out is a child needing something, needing to process an emotion, or possibly they've gone through something that they don't know how to handle. So they're processing it the only way they know how by acting out. So then what do we do? We don't ask them what's really going on. Let's get to the bottom of this. Let me give you some love. We hit them. So there's this emotional aspect to it. And then this this idea of go get me the belt or you go pick the switch that I'm going to hit you with. Like, oh my God. It's like, so the buildup to the actual physical being. So there's this emotional aspect of it, this emotional trauma that's happening. And then there's the physical trauma that happens, the actual beating. And then there's the psychological trauma of, of what's happened because there's no the rupture. There's no repair. So this, this stays with the child and, and develops what kind of core beliefs. My gosh, you know, you deal with your clients all of the time to to restructure these core beliefs that have been developed in childhood because of situations like this. So the child thinks I'm wrong, you know, I'm bad, I'm not worthy, I'm, you know, this is my fault. It's damaging on all of those levels. And then if you think of like in my childhood, I remember there would be times like when we were really in trouble, it's like, well, you just wait until your father gets home. And then he's going to do the the discipline. And so all day, all day, we're like, oh, anticipating the beating that we're going to get. And so what does that teach the child? It teaches the child to to remove themselves from the present moment and have that anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, that's a big part of the work that I do, trying to keep our minds focused attention in our present moment. But we have parents that are conditioning children to be in the past. You remember what you did last time and you remember what happened to you last time. So conditioning them to be in the past or you just wait till your father gets home and having that anxiety about what's going to happen in the future instead of just living in the present moment like a child naturally does, like a like a human is designed to live. But um, most of us, you know, either live in the past or the future. And that's the problem. That's the issue. Because we can only take action, we can only heal, we can only process in the present moment. So this is harming a child on so many levels, the emotional, the physical, the psychological, teaching them to remove their mind's focused attention from the present moment. So there's so much. And then this contradiction piece, this is going to come up a lot in this parenting series where we're telling the child one thing, but we're doing something different. And I laughed. You could see me laughing when you're talking about we grew up in a religious environment because, you know, there's nothing to do but laugh about the contradiction 
that we find in, you know, these religious homes where there's all this abuse going on. Like you're learning one thing to be compassionate and caring for your fellow humans, treat others the way you want to be treated, all of this. But then you go home and you're getting beat or you're getting abused in other ways. We talk about that in Clubhouse a lot. But so this religious aspect to it, too. And then I'm a bad person, again, talking about the core beliefs that um, that these actions cause for a child to create within themselves. So I'm bad. Put on top of that religion, like, oh, my God, God hates me. I'm probably going to hell. Like, I'm doomed, you know, and and it's a lot to put on a child. It's a lot to put on a child. And then you mentioned something. I'm doing this for your own good. I remember my son's dad, um, he, he told me this story many times, and he will still bring it up that his dad used to beat him, but he would do it in the way that he would tell him, I'm doing this for your own good. Like, so, um, a loving action of beating his ass. And I, I'm like, do you see how confusing that is for yes. a child that like the beating that you're getting is actually like tied to love in some way? That makes no sense. That makes no sense to any conscious individual and definitely not to a child because no. you can see as an adult, he's still trying to process and understand that. Even though, like, as an adult, he will say, I, I get where my dad was coming from. You know, he was trying to teach me, you know, whatever he's trying to teach you. But in my view, I'm like, you're still trying to process that from your childhood, trying to wrap around the understanding of how a beating can be tied to him caring about you and loving you. Okay. A lot of stuff coming up here, because like you said, this is a this is a big topic. And um I think it's necessary when we're when we're talking about conscious parenting to focus on this aspect because there's so many people that want to take the easy way out and just beat the child, throw them in their room, but that does nothing for yeah. the rela- building that relationship between the parent and child. It's detrimental to the child and and really if you sit down and think about is this good for me as the adult, the answer is going to be no. No. The way we discipline a child sends them a message about who they are. And one of the things that I always try to remind people, because of children's lack of emotional intelligence, what you tell them then becomes their lifetime. It becomes something that they think is forever. It becomes something that they think this is who I am. So it formulates who they think they are the way they're treated as children. And one of the things you talked about, it's the emotions of the parent coming off on this child who really doesn't know how to process their emotions. And a lot of times they're just sending you signs and symbols that something is wrong to get your attention. When a child is acting out, they're trying to get your attention. When a child cries, when it's a baby in the crib, it's trying to get your attention. So in every stage of a child's life, until they become audible, can speak, adults or, or, or older children can say what they need to say, they use their actions. It's crying, it's whining, it's temper tantrums, it's breaking something, it's yelling at you. At the end of the day, they're trying to get your attention. And so when we don't understand that, we then say the child is being bad or they're doing 
you know, they need to be disciplined. We discipline them and then we tell them not to cry. So one, they're trying to get your attention by doing the best way they know how to um, let out this emotion. Then you discipline them, whether it be with a spanking or whatever it is that you do. And then when they cry, you tell them and stop crying. And the issue with that, too, is now you're telling them it's not okay to release their emotions. And all of what you talked about, Leah, all I could think about is that causes anxiety. And you said that it's trapped in the nervous system to sit and wait for the next parent to come home so that, you know, so you're anxious. And that's where a lot of this complex post-traumatic stress disorder comes from in adults. And um, there are so many fallouts to it. But, you know, I love my questions, right? So I have a question. So why is it domestic violence when dad hits mom or mom hits dad and it's tolerated when mom hits child or, or dad hits child? I am just like really trying to wrap my mind around why we treat the little people, these children who are still developing the way we do, why is there a double standard? Now, granted, yes, there's child abuse, physical abuse that people will get arrested for and so forth and so on. But it just seems to me like society is more tolerant to a child being hit by a parent But if that very parent was hit by the partner, it would be domestic violence. Just a thought. Mm, That's a very good question, Stacey. And then if you look at the dynamics of how strong and powerful an adult is versus a child, a child can do nothing to protect themselves. So, you know, at least when you have two adults fighting, they're they're on a, a similar ground. But when you're talking about a, an adult hitting a child, they're, they're on totally different grounds. So um, you have to take that into consideration as well. I think society is, is changing. A lot is changing around that. And, and we talked about this earlier. And, uh, and I said, you know, I think discipline is, is something that's, that shouldn't even be in parenting anymore because it's more of communication that has to happen. So in terms of your question, I think it's what you had mentioned in the last episode, this feeling of ownership and that I am the authority and I have power over you. Mm-hmm. And what is the way to show someone that you have power over them to physically put them in their place? And so it's, it's changing that mindset of knowing that a child is essentially equal to us in terms of they are a soul having a human experience and we are a soul having a human experience. We are in the role of the parent meant to guide them because we've been here longer. We know more about this human experience, but that's it. They are technically our equal when we look at it on a soul level. So it's shifting that perspective of I own you or I brought you into the world. I can do whatever I want. Um, You owe me, you know, you have to make me happy. It's a mutual relationship. And yes. so I think it's, it's changing that mindset. And a lot of this, you know, domestic violence, you have someone that was probably beat in childhood. Now in adulthood, they have a voice. So I'm going to report you for beating me. If they could do that as a child, they probably would too. If children yes. could report a parent, if they knew to report a parent, but 
But we know that a child never, never thinks their parent is wrong. They think they are wrong. So they don't have that emotional intelligence to report a parent for, for the beating that they perceived. One thing I want to talk about is that I often hear, and this used to be me too, and I'll tell you a story about this. When, when they say, well, I try to be patient. I try to be patient, but they push me and they push me until I lose my shit. It's like, that's what they want from me. And I remember being in therapy and I remember explaining exactly that to the therapist. I'm like, I try my hardest and I am patient for so long. And, you know, I try to talk to her and all of this. And it's, she keeps going, she keeps going until I flip out. And my therapist said, well, that is what she's used to. She's wanting you to complete the pattern so that she can move on. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like that's what she finds comfort in is when I lose my shit, she knows, okay, now it's going to pass. If I'm trying to be patient and do all of this, like she's like, I I don't know when, when this is going to end. I don't know how this is going to work. So it takes time to choose to do something else. And it's going to be a transition period for you and for the child. But what did I do? I just kept trying to be patient, kept trying. There would be times when I would slip the fuck out and and then I would have to apologize. That's Mm -hmm. what we can put into practice as well. But the more we move on, the, the less that pattern is held in place. And the more she understands, okay, things are changing. And now, you know, I obviously, I never hit her. She's, you know, I I think too old, but I've never laid a hand on her for many years now. And there will still be the outburst of, um, of language. I'll yell at her. She'll yell at me. And, and it's, it's almost like I can still see that that pattern exists, that she's waiting for the eruption so that we can move forward from it. So recognizing that it takes time to change a pattern and to do something different. And it's going to be hard and we're going to fall back into the old, the old way because it's comfortable for everybody involved. Even the child gets comfortable with that type of abuse. We talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. But if we're wanting to make changes, it's consistency and it's that intention behind, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something different. And then that consistency of taking different action and it will change. So I just wanted to cover that because I know I used to say that and I hear people say that all the time. And and sometimes it is that the child is wanting you to do what you normally do so they can move forward. But if we want to change it, we have to be consistent and we have to come at it with that new intention of doing something different. I, I wanted to put that in there as well for, for those parents who may be thinking that. I try patient, but it's like they push me and push me until, so we just have to keep, keep trying. Yeah, because we do, we fall into the familiar patterns, right? And the familiar patterns didn't just start with us. One of the things I used to do, I didn't spank my son. I didn't, I don't spank my daughter, not into the violence. And I was always really calm until I felt pushed. And then I would raise my voice. And my son hated that. That's probably the thing he hated the most. He probably hated that more than me taking away his device because he, he, you know, he got creative about finding all the other devices around the house and made it work for him at nights. But he hated being yelled at and he would shut down and he would just shut down. So it wasn't until he got older, maybe around 16 Well, around 14 or so, he used to start saying, why are you shouting? And I wouldn't even realize I am shouting until he said, 
why are you shouting? So let me just be clear. So we may think that because we're not spanking, that, you know, our discipline is up to par, (laughs) you know, that we're doing all the right things. And the answer is no, we're not, (laughs) because I know I wasn't. So I took away from the equation, the physical violence, because I grew up in it and I didn't like it. But I also grew up in the shouting and the yelling. It was like you had to talk at a child versus talk to a child. So I wanted to bring that in the equation because I think the verbal side of things and the verbal side of discipline is just as important for us to be aware of. So no, I didn't hit. But when I got frustrated, I would raise my voice. He hated that. I think maybe he would have just preferred that I just slapped him upside the head and keep him moving. He hated that most. As he got older and why are you shouting? And I'm going, I'm not shouting. And I heard myself and I was like, oh shit, I'm shouting. <laughs> like, Hold on, I am yelling, right? And so then he helped me to become aware that you don't have to talk at me. You can talk to me. That was one of the biggest lessons I learned from my son. He said, you guys talk at me. Can you just talk to me? And I was just like, whoa. And it's important too that you know that in the household, you you and your spouse or partner must be on the same page. Because if you're not, then you, you're still going to have that stuff happening. So I'm proud to say that we're on the same page when it comes to discipline, right? I just want to outline the domestic violence or physical versus the verbal abuse. It is going to cut like a knife either way. And so we must be aware. Mm, I, I think that's very important point that you bring up, Stacey. I think, you know, there there is a spectrum of discipline. And if you are not hitting your child anymore, you have moved up on that spectrum. And that's wonderful. And that's wonderful. But we can always grow more of who we are. We can always grow that consciousness around our parenting. We can always deepen and develop that relationship with our child. So you're exactly right. When I, you know, stop being physical with my children, what I would do is give them the silent treatment. Because it was way better than hitting them, in in my opinion. But on an emotional level, what did that do to a child? I just would remove myself from them, give them the silent treatment and not talk to them. And that's also detrimental. And then if you think about there's that book, The Five Lang- Love Languages of Love. And I think there's some truth to that. I, I do also think that we need all languages, but but there are um, you know, certain love languages that we kind of gravitate to more. So if you have a child whose love language is words of affirmation and you are spewing these words, venomous words at them, oh my God, it is going to be like you just beat them. Or if you have a child whose love language is physical affection and you hit them, that, you know, that is very detrimental. So it is important to understand that when we are taking our anger out on the child, it doesn't matter how it's coming out. It's, it's going to have a harmful effect on them. So we can continue. Okay, I, I no longer hit my child. That's great. I no longer give them silent treatment. That's great. 
But what do I do now? I say things under my breath, which I'm trying that too. And, and even that's getting better. But then what am I still doing? I'm thinking it in my head. So the energy I'm putting out is still, you know, harmful to them. And so that's the different levels of this. And if you're there at the bottom, you know, you can take a deep breath and not hit your child. That's a wonderful shift in the right direction. But knowing that we can continue, we can continue deepening and developing that healthy relationship with our child. And, and in turn, that helps us develop a healthier relationship with ourselves. Because taking that pause, like we spoke of, gives us that time to reconnect with how we're feeling, the emotions that are going through our body. And so the more we can learn how to process our own emotions and move them through our own body in a healthy way, the better it's going to be for our child. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it can be just as detrimental the, the things we say to them just as, you know, a, a physical, um, discipline. Some of my clients, it's not the physical abuse from a parent that is still holding them hostage today as adults. It's the verbal abuse. It's what was said to them is how they were treated verbally. And that is harsh, sometimes just as harsh or even worse than um, the child feeling like, okay, well, I got hit and I can brush that off and move on. But these words that I'm being called or I'm being told that I am, these words are now, they have become a part of me and I believe it because it's coming from my parent and I believe that this is who I am. So it's really the awareness of what are we using to discipline our child? Why are we disciplining our child in the first place? And are we taking the approach of learning the styles. And by the way, there is a love language for children. You can take that quiz out there to learn your children's love languages. I sent that, I sent it to my entire family maybe two years ago to learn what style they like. It's important. I just want to emphasize that children are people too. They're souls. They're looking for us to guide them to guide them in a way so that they can grow up to be wonderful human beings. And what we do is going to shape that. Are we perfect? No, this is conscious parenting, not perfect parenting. So we're not perfect and we make a lot of mistakes. And this is not judging, this is awareness. It's really important that we take a step back and ask ourselves these questions about discipline. Why are we disciplining? And is this the right way? It's very important that we do that. Yes, Stacey, it's extremely important. You know, I think of that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think it's sticks and stones do break bones and words will hurt me forever. Yes. <laughs> you know, if we, um, it, they do have an impact. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about in terms of where I'm at in, in discipline with my children now, I, I talked about that I feel like that whole concept of discipline should be removed from parenting altogether because it is more of a conversation of asking a child, well, why, why did this happen? And the older a child gets, the easier it is to have those conversations. With my oldest son, I remember 
you know, a, a couple months back, we were having issues with him meeting curfew. And I was starting to get mad because I was like, you know, I felt like it was, you know, I'm, I'm setting this, this boundary. I, I'm, I, I give him till midnight, you know, and he's a junior. So I'm like, I feel like that's pretty lenient. He was coming home after curfew. So I'm like, what do I do with this guy? I, I can't take away his car because he goes to a school that's far. I, I can't drive him. Um, I can't take away his phone because I like having contact with him, especially if he's at his dad's or, um, or, or out somewhere. I need him to be able to have his phone to contact. You know, what, what can I do? And so, you know what? I was given a, this advice from a friend and she said, why don't you make him read a book? <laughs> so I made him read, um, Don Miguel Ruiz, the, the four agreements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, and that was his punishment. You know, that was the discipline that I gave to him was to give him something that would help him in his life. And it made me feel good. It made me feel good. Like I had taken an action to tell him, you know, I'm serious about this curfew that I set for you, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that was harmful to him. In fact, it was helpful. So I think getting curious in the ways that we can, that we can still hold that, um, that boundary with our child. If we've set something, we've agreed on something and to teach them that you, if you make a verbal agreement with somebody, this is what mutual respect is all about. Yes. if you break that that agreement, then there's going to be consequences because that happens in life. You know, if you break a verbal agreement with somebody, you could lose a friendship, you could lose um, a job, you know, it's so it's like giving them something instead of taking from them. Yeah, you know, so um, I was really like, uh, proud of my parenting in that moment, because there was that shift of I don't have to take something from you in order to teach you. I can give you something in order to teach you. Leah, you know, I really love that you talked about giving your son a book to read as a way of discipline because it really takes away that control of punishment. And in contrast, what it does, it is taking away that fear And it's instilled in education. It's like life lessons, teaching our children how to use good judgment, how to use their discernment, and just how to make better choices. And I know in the spare of the moment, when something is happening, it's really hard for us to come up with these creative ideas on how to discipline a child. And even the word discipline, it just has this hierarchical you're the child, I am the parent, and I said you should do or shouldn't do, and you broke that law, so now you're going to get disciplined. Discipline, even the word itself, it comes with a negative connotation. It does not, in my opinion, foster an environment of learning, learning life lessons, learning how to use judgment or to create better choices. So I really love that you did that. But what I was saying is that we don't always have those creative ideas that pop in our head right away when we're either heated or upset at something that our child have done. So it just becomes so important for us to take pause and then come up with creative things that's going to get them to think, think for themselves and come up with creative ideas and have better judgment. And my whole thought is how do we foster an environment where it's not linear and it's not 
a hierarchy, but it's an inclusive environment, a dynamic that is just help me figure out how I can get you to do this differently, what works for you. And it is not drive-by in any way. You can't be a drive-by parent to do parenting that way. So in preparation for this podcast on disciplining your children, I asked my 13-year-old, I wanted to get it from a child's perspective. So I said to her, I want it from your perspective. You know, Lee and I are doing the podcast on disciplining your child, why you should or should not hit your child. She told me to slow down and ask that question again. So I slowed down and I asked the question slowly. And she said, the answer is within your question. Hit, hitting. When you go out or you're about, you just don't hit people. So... The answer is in the question. We don't hit. So why is it any different with a child? That's coming from a child. We don't randomly go around hitting people. And really, when you think about it, it's true. From a societal perspective, that's not appropriate. If a child is in school and the child hits another child, that's a big deal. From the mouth, of babes, or should I say, from the mouth of a teenager. So I just wanted to share that because I think many times when we're having this discussion and we have it from the perspective of the adult, right? So for me, it would be from the adult perspective because I didn't like it. I didn't like how it felt, none of that growing up. But to hear it from a child, a child that does not have that discipline inflicted on her, but still she has an opinion about it. And she said the answer is within the word hitting. We don't go around hitting random people. We don't do it because it's not acceptable. So why is it acceptable when it's happening to a child? So keeping with the theme of uh, asking the child's perspective, I also asked my son, who's 21 years old, what his thoughts were about parents hitting their children. And he said, it leaves many scars. He said, they don't want people hitting on them. So why do they hit us? And that's a really good question. It really is. One of the things my son also said is, that's why I'm going to put them in a nursing home. (laughs) And, you know, as funny as that response is, that's how the child turn adult processes that scar of how they were disciplined because they'll hold it in in their bodies all through their young life because they don't know how to process it. And then when they process it as adults, it can actually cause real separation between parent and child. So as funny as it sounds, that's why I'm going to put them in a nursing home. It is still a way of processing that form of discipline that left a scar for him, you see. There's a lot of passion around that conversation coming from my son. 
because he remembers a few times when, you know, his father hit him. And then we had to get on the same page as father and I. So we start out unconscious and then we move into consciousness, right? And so it's really important that when you're listening to us speak on this topic, you recognize that we know that it's complex and that there are many layers to why a parent disciplines the way they do. And all we're asking for is to recognize and be aware so that you can move from that unconscious approach to a more conscious approach. So one of the things my son also said, he was like, you know, when you hit a child, then you can have that child grow up now. Next thing you know, they're hitting on their significant other and causing fights. And and he's right, because it's about the act of hitting. We hit them. We make it okay. We make it normal. And violence is not normal. Violence inflicted on anyone is should not be normalized. And violence inflicted on your children should not be normalized. And that's what that is. We can dress it up as much as we want to dress it up in as many pretty bows, call it discipline, call it making them a better person, call it whatever you want. It's violence. Stacey, I love the story that you tell about when you asked your children what they thought of discipline, specifically, you know, hitting your child. I love that your son said, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm going to put him in a nursing home. And I think it's good to take note of that because when that's the relationship that you're building with your child, you know, I'm the boss of you. And if you do something that I don't like, you'll be reprimanded for it. It's not this relationship that's built on mutual respect and care and love. I mean, yes, there's always the sense of love where we always love our parents, especially as children. But as we grow and we build that emotional intelligence and we realize that wasn't kind, you know, it, it wasn't conducive to my growth. It wasn't supportive. It wasn't loving. Then it does really shift your perspective around what do I want to do for you now? And I think it's important for us to remember that our children grow up into adults. You know, a lot of the actions that we take toward our children, we take them without, you know, having a second thought about one day they will be an adult. And what will our relationship be like when when they're an adult? So I love that Matthew said that. And then Chloe's answer, so, so clear and simple and to the point. Think about that word, hit, hit. There, there's nothing good that comes from that word, you know, you only hit in aggression. So that's all you need to say, right? She just said, think about that word, hit. So um, after you shared that you had asked your children, I asked Haley as well. And her answer was, you know, it, it really doesn't do anything. It really doesn't do anything. It doesn't teach the child anything except for, I'm afraid of you. I don't like you. I'm mad at you. You made me sad. And then all the, the other things that we've talked about throughout the conversation that it teaches us that there must be something wrong with me. I'm bad. The core beliefs that uh, are created from that. So she said something very similar. I, I think any child will give a clear statement of why it's wrong, why it doesn't make any sense to hit. 
yeah, I, I, I think it was really good that we, we asked our children, you know, I asked Eva and she was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, <laughs> cause she's, you know, she hasn't ever had me as that parent that I was, you know, with Aiden and Haley. I've never hit her or put a hand on her. So to her, it was like she needed clarification of what I meant by discipline, that type of discipline, which I took that as a good sign. <laughs> this conversation has been wonderful, Stacy, and there is a lot that we could dive deeper into in regards to discipline. But I think, you know, what I want the listeners to understand is the same thing that I will probably say in every one of these episodes, that it's not about finding judgment with ourselves or feeling guilty over things in the past. It is simply about becoming aware of our actions as a parent and bringing that consciousness to our parenting and remembering that our child is a person too. <laughs> and I think it's key, like I said earlier, that they will grow up to be an adult one day. And although in as an adult, it may seem that the relationship is okay, a person will always carry their traumas within the body until it has been processed. So even if we feel like the relationship is okay, it's energetically, it's, it's not going to be all right. There's still a lot of energetic ties between that parent and that child, that child who is essentially beaten by their parent. So I think it's really important to remember that, that every child grows up into an adult. And what would they think of this action? What would their adult self think of this action? So it's not to place blame. It's not to make us feel bad, but it is simply to bring awareness to something that needs to change within, I was going to say within our culture, but I think within the human race, because you find this type of discipline all over the world. I really want to just let people know that the reason why we're doing these podcast episodes is so that you can just begin to get curious and start asking questions and looking deeper into the the actual relationship that you're building with your child, not the one that you're telling them they should have with you, but the actual relationship that is being built between you and your child. So thank you so much, Stacey, for having me. And I'm very much looking forward to our future conversations. I think next week we have our friend Sarah joining us, a guest. So we'll get to hear her take on conscious parenting. And I look forward to these next couple of episodes. Thank you, everyone who took the time to listen. We appreciate you. And we hope that you'll join us again for the next one. Thank you. And I want my listeners to know that in the end, I want you to be inspired to break free from the old constructs of the past and create a new legacy. 